Hi there, and welcome to Isometric, a gaming podcast from a different perspective. I'm Steve Lubitz, and I am here, as always, with Head of Development at Giant Space, Capriano. Will, how you doing, Bree? I'm, I'm fine. How how are you? You're not going to break there's a, uh, there's break a, a desk? There's a very, very large, large radiation leak. Radiation. <laughs> Boring conversation anyway. Luke, we're going to have company! <laughs> Is that some sort of a movie reference? <laughs> I think we I think we lost Bree. I think I that's found it. found my husband's uh, DL44 blaster just before the show. <laughs> so I'm going to be using this all through tonight as we record. I hope that doesn't I bother thought, you. I thought it was just like a Godzilla reference. <laughs> what? Godzilla. Oh my god, that's terrible. That, sound, that sounds worse than something coming off of George's iPod. <laughs> Georgia, I don't like Steve talking that way about your iPod. He's talking trash, Bree. We need to, you know what? You know what, Steve? Be careful. Because we're going to be seeing you in Boston That's right. soon. That's right. And That's right. you know, us girls, you're, you're alone there. I'm you know, I, I know you guys love me too much to, to what? Uh, to, to, you know, to torture you? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to, to um, you know, attack you torture? and stick you inside of some sort of panda suit? Yes. And then duct yes, tape exactly. you in so you can't get out? All of those things. I'm just yeah. I've happen. been so accommodating about wearing the panda hat. It might all be a ruse. Like maybe <laughs> I'm just pretending that I don't mind wearing the panda hat. But what I'm actually going to do is wait until the last second and put it on Steve's head. Oh, Steve's going to be wearing that panda. You're right, <laughs> Maddie. You, maybe, you're right. Yeah. Maybe did you just I'm call Maddie Bree? Loser. I did. <laughs> oh, good. I don't know. Are those Who fighting even words? Is anyone on this show? <laughs> Georgia, you can't do that because people have enough trouble telling us apart as it is, especially the two of us. Georgia, can you just talk in a Batman voice for the whole show? Like, can you talk like this? <laughs> Where are you going, please? No, wait, wait, I can do better. I can do better. That, that was like the least menacing thing wait, I've ever heard in my life. Can you say, can you say, pray to me? Wait, 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 wait. Wait. <laughs> I'm not good with voices. Wait. Great. This is terrible. Can, okay, somebody introduced me. I don't care if it's Steve. It could be Georgia. She doesn't know who I am. But. We also have assistant games editor for Pace Magazine, Maddie Myers. I, I, I'm afraid to ask, but how are you doing, Maddie? I'm doing pretty good. I think I might be the person who has it the most together. I thought it was going to be Georgia this week, but she doesn't know my name. So I think I win. I have it all together. I know who all of you are, and I know what time it is. I think the only way to win is not to play. Oh, <laughs> okay. Well, I guess I'll see you guys later. <laughs> no, just kidding. Uh, You're stuck with me. We also have senior editor from iWord.com, psychotherapist, and the internet's DJ, Georgia Dow. How you doing, Georgia? <laughs> Pray to me. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like it just has laryngitis. Okay, so you clearly can't do Batman. Can you do Bane? No. No, I can't, but I'm going to be trying it now through the entire show because now it's stuck. Victory has defeated you. <laughs> you know, can we say that? Can you do like Jar Jar Binks at least? I mean. Oh, please don't. I, I please don't. don't. No. What do you little Jar Jar? No, I can't. I can't do Jar Jar. I can't do any sound effects. I try to even do like a gun sound effect and it sounds like like something from a small cartoon you know pew pew like that's that's about my gun like, that's adorable that's exactly what a gun sounds like that's terrifying <laughs> right I, terrifying i thought you were seriously in danger i'm really relieved that you're fine honestly i uh, that whoa i feel like you should have warned us 
but it's, yeah. it's cool. I didn't know cool. that we were doing Foley effects on this show, but apparently <laughs> I didn't we either. are. I didn't either. Who got charge of that <laughs> that high quality soundboard? I'm sorry. I, you see now. I'm sorry, you see everybody. Why? I that was too far. I'm sorry. No, no. That's why I use my. That's why I use my phone. You see, I'm I'm protecting you all from me doing sound effects myself. Well, for the record, I prefer. I can't believe I'm saying this, but I prefer the Mario coin to you playing live gunshot effects on your phone if that was something you were considering implementing in the show. Can you please not poke the bear? Can you please not do that? Uh, Whatever that means. Yeah, don't do that. What does poke the bear mean? I I don't know. I don't know either. That's so cryptic. What do you think that means? I'm an enigma wrapped in a mystery is is what I am. Do you think it's... You are. That is Steve. You really are. I, I am. What is the secret of Steve Lubitz? It's, we don't it's, we don't get into that on this show. I mean, if I told you, then it wouldn't be a secret anymore. It, he's a, he's an enigma wrapped in a snowflake. <laughs> I was a wrapped s- in about two feet of snowflakes a couple days ago. Is what I was That's wrapped in. True. That is true. I am still really sore from shoveling snow. And then I left. I left snowy Massachusetts to come down to the happiest place on earth. But it would not be the happiest place on earth if I was not recording isometric, which is why I am here Aww. with you tonight. This isn't on the schedule, but do you want to just mention the fact that you're currently at the happiest place on earth because everybody else on this show gets to go there before I do, I guess, like next George is going to go. George, George is just <laughs> going to come down for a weekend just just for the hell of it. Right, right. Just to... Everybody has to record at least one isometric episode from a Disney location. Well, the very first episode of this of this podcast, I was recording from Disney. So. Really? Yeah. What? Yeah. I didn't even oh, know that. I didn't know yeah. that either. From this very table that I am podcasting from right now. Huh. Yeah. Like the circle. Well, we need complete. to do a, a, an isometric together at, at Disney. Disney World. Wait, no. All of us need to go. Like, Steve, you, me, and Georgia should all go there and not invite Maddie. <laughs> I, think that's, I think that seems fair because I've never been. So I feel like at this point I, I've rescinded my right to go. You would also be slowing us down because we'd be trying to get, make a beeline to Space Mountain. And you'd be like, what, what is this strange land? Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Like right, whenever right. people think of me, I think the first adjective they think of is slow. They're like, whoa, Maddie, really? <laughs> oh, can't keep up walking wise, <laughs> thoughts wise. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah at disney I, I would definitely just be stuck at the gate mostly just yeah. you just get there. you one of those little stroller things and we yeah. just zip you along so yeah. don't worry steve do you have a <laughs> do you have some terrible disease yet that could only be stopped by vaccinations like how is that going for you are you alive no we don't we're not going to disneyland because we don't want measles okay that is we're in disney world you're, so that's yeah that's much safe. healthier okay yeah it's okay. much healthier that's okay and i got a pancham so i'm super happy pancham the panda pokemon so I now have a panda Pokemon oh. that I'm taking home with me. Oh, yeah, he's so cute. He took he. It's one of the texts that he sent to us all because Steve has just been texting us all day about how great his vacation is. I'm like at work working my butt off, and Steve is like, "Hey, Maddie, just like a reminder, I'm I'm at Disney. I'm at Disney right now." Here's a picture of a hundred thousand Pokemon. Here you go. Thanks, Steve. Thanks. Thanks. It was really uplifting. I actually made Steve buy me uh, like a stuffed animal at the Tokyo store at Epcot Center and carry it around with them all day. And they just got to carry it home on the plane. She also made my daughters do a hug test on it to make sure it was worthy of coming home to the That is a very important test for a stuffed animal. Let me tell you. So if you're, if if it doesn't pass the hug test, like a lot of stuffed animals, I don't even know what these stuffed animal designers are doing. Like it's very subpar stuffed animal design. So a, a stuffed animal must like 
be huggable or there's just no it has point to, to squish. having one. Yeah. Huh, you're so right, Bree. Sometimes they have this horrible material inside and it makes a horrible noise and it doesn't really compress properly. You want something that's just soft and squishy. Right. If it's so, not, it's, so, like, it's, so it's, sometimes it's too firm. Is that, is that what well, you're saying? It's too firm, yeah. crunchy, or it doesn't really squish in. Right. It's almost like, like too compressy. It's, it's not... You need something that's got, like, squish. Right. That's why I haven't bought that particular Pokemon at, at Disney before, because they don't pass the hug test. They make them out of a very rigid material. And because the tactile feedback on them is subpar. And that's mm-hmm. just not acceptable in my, my Pokemon stuffed animals. Yeah. Like, I want them to be huggable, because you have to, like, mm-hmm. be able to take a nap with one and hug one. Well, in fairness, they're too they're too small for that anyway. I, these are these are to adorn my desk in my normal recording studio. So mm-hmm. they're they're not for uh they're they're not for hanging out in the bed well, with us. Well, that's a so. different Pokemon use case. You know, for for my use case of Pokemon here at the, at the GSX <laughs> your, office. Your, your, po- you your know. Pokemon use case. Go right. ahead. Well, yes. no, we did. We put them through you know your playtesting cohort, which was your daughter's, just like Revolution <laughs> sixty. And you know they passed, and yeah, we 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 baited them. So <laughs> yeah. there was a. Uh, I didn't take a picture of it. There was like a. A very large stuffed Piplup that I think would have passed the hug test, which is the penguin Pokemon. Can you go back and get that? <laughs> I, well, I'll be, ba- I'll be back there later on. <laughs> okay. <let's see. laughs> anyway, we should, uh, well, we have a little bit of housekeeping to do because we can talk. This is not a Disney podcast as much should as it, be. you know. It should be. We could do we that. We should. But. We got to Disney so much. We should start a Disney podcast, you and me, Steve. We, we, we <laughs> probably could. We probably, we, we could. We could get Dan- Danielle Riendo and we could totally do a Disney podcast. Yeah. Yeah, we could, easily. we could call it Maddie's Not Invited. <laughs> you should call it that. I think that Danielle has joked around about starting that show before, so you might want to get in on the ground floor with that idea before, before this comes out. <laughs> you need another podcast to do, Brie. You, you yeah, know. and like, Steve, you're not busy, right? No, I not mean, at all. Editing this show isn't hard for you, so you're fine. <laughs> so anyway, speaking of people being busy, so Georgia is speaking again in, is it in April that Ool is uh, is happening in Scotland? So you're going to Scotland? Ireland. Is that, Ireland? Ireland. Ireland. They're magically delicious. Sorry. Um, <laughs> March, it's the only, it's the only accent I can do. That, that's really <laughs> the only thing they have in Ireland is Lucky Charms. It's just that's... everything, like the streets are paved with Lucky Charms. I can't, in good conscience, allow this. Censor Georgia. <laughs> Extremely racist. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Georgia, haven't my people suffered enough at the hands of Canadians? Why do you have to bring that kind of offensive stereotype on the isometric? My, my, it, is, it is true. I cannot do any accent at all. And it is relatively <laughs> offensive when I try. <laughs> Fear <Not> me. Like- <laughs> Um, More like offensive to people's ears. Exactly. I know. Emotions. I know. If your ears are really bleeding, I apologize. I'm going to be like, doing the Batman thing all through the show, though. So just okay, skip to the okay. end. Eventually, it's just going to be as Stockholm <laughs> for us all as the Mario coin. And it will just become something that we accept about Georgia, like all of her other traits. Did you just turn Stockholm syndrome into an adjective? Yes, I did. <laughs> yes, I did. Okay, can we hear about what Ool yeah. is? So, Georgia, tell us tell us about Ool quickly. Well, okay, so so it's a conference. We're going to be dealing with you know, um, it's it's March thirtieth and thirty first, and there's amazing set of speakers. There's dinner. There's um, we're going to be dealing with like motivation, how to get things that you need to get. It's going to be absolutely 
fabulous. And I'm really excited. I've never been to Ireland before. So um, it's going to be talking about building great applications and, you know, managing things and managing your time and how to get to where you want to go. So I'm it, really excited. It sounds like an amazing conference. And, oh, yeah, and, and, and music, entertainment. It's like out in the middle of, of like not near the city in Ireland. It's like out in the country too, and yeah. in a beautiful area. So it sounds. I'm I'm really jealous. But this is what yeah. I don't understand about that conference. If you're someone that really struggles with with motivation and you know like reaching inside yourself to like you know get to that next level and like reach for really ambitious things, how do you like? manage to do all the things that are required to get your butt to Ireland to go to this conference. <laughs> like you have to go sign up for a passport and save a bunch of money and like get a hotel. And that seems like a chicken and egg problem. <laughs> well, if you really enjoy conferences though as well. Oh, do I? Well, then there we go. <laughs> there's tickets. They're already on sale. So, awesome. you know, and I would, I can't wait to meet everyone that's going to be there. It's going to be a blast. We're going to have a lot of fun. Can you please do that joke when you start your talk? <laughs> which one my 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 only thing that i can say with an irish accent yes. or fear me was that good was that good i think fear me should be the topic of uh, yeah, yeah, yeah 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 i think you should go full batman and i think you should also dress as batman but not explain why to anyone but you should do batman with an irish accent Ooh. No, I can't decide not... whether that's really good or really bad it's one of the For two me, of those it's gonna be really bad Hmm. It might be really good. Fear me. I feel fear like me. you aren't motivated no. enough, Georgia. <laughs> well, I don't know why I feel that way, but I'm just getting this sense from you that you're not really dedicated to. You need to commit. Yeah. I, yeah. That's this is it's going to end. It's going to end poorly. Well, think about <laughs> it. I think you should think about it. I'll think about it for a while. <laughs> I, I, have a, I have a question for you, Georgia. So when you were getting, when you were getting, like you're you're a you're a licensed therapist, right? Like you're not a pretend therapist. No, she's unlicensed. <laughs> I no, can't I wait to see where this is going. Are, oh boy, I really hope. Oh, you I'm, are. I'm nervous, Bree. No, I mean you're licensed, right? I am a licensed. Yes, I'm a licensed. Do you have a master's degree or a PhD? I have a master's oh, degree. <laughs> I was hoping you had a PhD because then you'd be Doctor Dow. I'm not Dr. Dow. You've got to go back to school. We could have been calling you Dr. Dow. Come on, Georgia. We still could in the future. Come on, Georgia. Go get that PhD. Can't we get somebody to give her like an honorary doctorate? Ooh, yeah. I don't know if you, does that count then? Really? Could you be calling yourself? Dude, if I got an an honorary doctorate, I would go out of my way to refer to myself as Dr. Lubitz. I would, I would make (laughs) people refer to me as that. That would be okay, but you'd need to change your last name to Dow for it to really work. I mean, Uh you know, uh let's be honest. It doesn't have the same ring to it. I'll, I'll, I'll grant you that. Dr. Dow sounds really good. Dr. Dow. It just sounds, it doesn't. It's awesome. It's awesome. You didn't like Dow Bunga at first. She'll come around on this. (laughs) That's true. That's true. Now I, now I have a great affinity. I'm gonna start for calling it. you Dr. Dow sarcastically from now on. Every time I talk to you, <laughs> just picturing you being like, "Okay, Dr. Dow," like on our PAX panel, or, or at the very everybody. least, we just should sarcastic. we should be referring to her by her full name, which is Georgia Von Dow. <laughs> Von Dow. <laughs> That's really good. Building a monster out of spare human parts? Like, what? Where's the Vaughn coming from here? Well, you know, like like Doctor Doom. 
Okay. Like Victor okay. Von Doom, so Georgia Von Dow. Brianna Von Lu, Steve yeah. Von Lubitz. Yeah, that doesn't quite work why, as well. This is why I don't understand about the show. I've thought about this a lot. <laughs> why it's been 15 minutes and we haven't started talking about video games I've yet? I've been wondering that, but I didn't want to call too much attention to it. But but I don't understand Like when we start doing these jokes... Somehow they're always about Georgia, and I don't understand why. I don't know if this is Georgia and I special bond, or or I don't know what it is. It doesn't make sense to me. Like I could pick on Maddie, but like Maddie will will show up in Boston and stab me. So that's you know? not true. <laughs> you know? I I don't know. I think it's because Georgia's such a good sport, and she giggles, so it's like fun to tease her because she'll just giggle at it, and it's endearing. That's like a serious answer, but I, I think it's the real answer. <laughs> also, we make fun of Steve all the time. That's, yeah. that's so really true. the only people who get off scot-free on this show are me and Bree, and I think that's probably because we're both, Gary. you know, yeah. terrified. Yeah, because Georgia and I are pretty much terrified of both of you, so, you know, that that's pretty much <laughs> <Yeah>. it. <laughs> I really thought this show would humanize me, but it's only made people more terrified of me. So that's like a side benefit, that's, I guess. Uh, that's ironic, really, when you think about it. Yeah. It's like rain on your wedding day. Yeah, it's exactly like that. It's like 10,000 spoons when all you need is a knife. Bree, you want to talk about this quick Kickstarter quickly so we can actually we can get to talking about video games? Yeah. So very often I wrote the book on that is, uh, you know, it's just a phrase. But very soon when it comes to the issues of women in tech, I will be able to say, I wrote the book on that. <laughs> so uh, this is one of two book announcements that are going to come this year. This one isn't actually um, – this isn't about the book. This isn't the book I've been talking about previously. Uh, so my friend Tara came to me very recently, and she's like, Bree, you and I are both engineers. We're both CEOs. We're both entrepreneurs. And you know, we kind of had a real honest conversation about you – know, one of the most frustrating things about being a woman in this field is there isn't really a playbook for you. you you know, the truth is you can't solve a lot of problems the ways that you know guys can because of gender dynamics and just the the very narrow range of behavior women are limited to in the the tech workforce and we both felt really really limited by that so um she is actually putting together a book that you know it's not by a journalist it's not by a you know a phd academic that's like paid to write about this stuff um it's it's pay, it's written by women in the field with practical realistic working advice for you know being a woman in tech and you know she came to me and said like do you want to write the the chapter on the game industry and i said sure um so the book is called women in tech there's a, a kickstarter for it right now um you know if you look into you know tara's background or, or you know some of my other co-authors on the book you're gonna see we all have excellent bona fides you know we're all very well regarded figures except for me in the uh tech industry so you know oh. it will uh you know it's a it's a really good book it's a good project i really believe in it i hope you guys will will look at that and check it out and you know, maybe maybe you're a woman in tech reading this maybe you know a woman in tech uh that might uh no. you know want some realistic uh you know working <laughs> advice and uh i hope um i hope it's something you guys will consider contributing to and uh, right now, it looks like it's about a third of the way to its goal with 26 days to go. So that's looking promising. Wow, that's great. Yeah, I'm pretty happy about that. Yeah, we uh, before we did the Rev60 Kickstarter, we we looked at it. If you cross like the one third barrier within, I think it's like uh, the first week, you're you're almost always going to get funded. So I feel really strongly about that. 
Yeah, I think I remember Glenn Fleischman saying something similar about that with the uh, with the magazine Kickstarters yeah, as well. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I guess let's talk about video games because that's what we're here for. So uh, we have a, a story that we came out a couple weeks ago and we more important things have been happening. But apparently GameStop is having a bit of an existential crisis, as one would expect, with the current uh, landscape of digital. And they've been making some noise and saying some things like the industry needs a market for used downloads if it wants to keep selling games for $60. So they're, they're kind of worrying about their place and knowing that the, the publishers, the, the platform holders are starting to sell directly to the consumers. And when you sell a digital copy, there's no way to trade that in. And But they're still selling it at the $60 price point. And what they're saying is that the reason that they need to exist is because people are buying the physical copies and then trading them back in. And that's what's funding the $60 price point. And without them, then they're not no longer going to be selling them for those prices. So, George, I'm going to start. I'm going to start with you because uh, you know Bree, Bree and Maddie are are insiders to some degree, but you know you and I are more on uh, more strictly on the consumer side. I mean, what are what are your thoughts about this? I mean, how often do you buy games at you know a sixty dollar price point, and and you know how much thought process goes into that for you? Well, you know, I'm at, at a time of my life where you know I work, and so it, I'm able to buy a game, and I rarely will actually trade in games. I will just keep them. And uh, give them to friends. But even with that being said, unfortunately, I think what GameStop isn't thinking about is that it's all about supply and demand. So though I'm sure that they would like to think that, that the industry cannot afford to still charge $60 if people can't trade in games, we are. We're paying $60 for games that are downloaded. And we know when we do that that we cannot trade them in. And it's happening and it's still working. If that maintains the course, then, you know, why would they have to, you know, give, like actually spend more money to have a physical copy of something, when, which costs more, of course, to the um, developers, than to actually just continue to do a download. So though I think that they're kind of using, trying to use a fear-based approach to make them say, ooh, you might not be able to charge this much if you don't let us resell your things and find a market for this. I think it's a little bit of the uh, cart before the horse. We are paying this much so far for downloading games. It does not bother at my level. And I guess that, you know, if you don't have a lot of income, if you're starting out, if you're in school, that's much more difficult. But still... A lot of people that I know are young, don't have a lot of money, and they buy down, they download games instead just because it's easier. And I don't think that they're going to be able to use this approach. I think it would be nice, and if you know someone like Apple or Xbox gets involved, they they might decide that they can you know mark a copy of a game in some way that you can resell it. But then wouldn't then PlayStation or Microsoft want to resell it themselves so that they can make another piece of the profit, anyways? So it looks grim for me towards GameStop. <laughs> wow, Georgia. Wow, Georgia. It looks grim for me to GameStop. No, uh, I, I do have to say this, and, and I largely agree with everything you just said, but you know, something I think is really important to remember about GameStop. Game 
is that that's, that's a really luck. easy easy yeah. mistake to make too yeah right something something's really important to remember about though is there's no elevator pitch for what they do exactly what their store provides is actually really really complicated i remember chris ziegler over at the verge was tweeting about this the other day did you know that when the xbox uh 360 had the infamous red ring of death problem that they actually had technicians and you know, they had like a, a repair business at the time. And you know, their their technicians like looked into how to fix it and they actually invented a device that would basically um it would heat up the bottom of it while cooling the top of it and would actually like resolder the uh graphics card together and it would fix some problem with it that way. And they actually invented a machine that then went out to all the stores to like basically repair the the Xbox right there in the store. And that's just like one example of, you know, game stop innovating and trying to uh you're basically providing different kinds of value to the consumer, though obviously if you look at the numbers, like the used sales are far from a trivial portion of their income. I, I certainly agree with you that they're they're struggling for the future, like if this market does go away. And I don't buy this guy's argument for four seconds. Like I, I remember <laughs> when travel industry people, like when the internet was coming along and Expedia.com rose, I remember travel agents screaming to the stars how what they did would always be necessary and important and they would always have a job. And here we are today. So, you know, I, it's, it's almost predictable that they're going to say that to the point of having no information. And I think, you know, for the, you know, the developers of video games and the uh, publishers of video games, I don't think there's a reasonable argument that kind of keeping this middleman in the middle to, like, get profit is reasonable. Like, even his $60 argument, you know, games have price drops after X number of months. And I think for more price-sensitive consumers, that's just simply what they'll do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it hasn't even been months lately. It's been, like, weeks. You know, they, there were games that came out in, like, the beginning of November that were already down to, like, four... that came out at $60 at the beginning of November that were down to $40 by Black Friday. Hmm. Right. Yeah, and I have heard tell from people who work at GameStop that if a game isn't selling well, they are told to mark a completely new game as a used game and sell it as such even if it's never been opened they just open it up and sell it as a used game if they can't sell all the new ones which is bonkers but that's how gamestop works why would they do that though well because they can't mark them down in any other way okay oh so it's basically just that's the only way that they can mark it down apparently yes bizarre i'm pretty sure it's fraud and the people who told <laughs> well, yeah. me that were admitting that their stores commit fraud but that's a real thing that happens well i mean i guess if it is fraud it's you know the best kind of fraud possible well, well yes and no because you're giving like, something you're giving somebody something that's better than what you're advertising it no, as no because correct me if i'm wrong i i don't know if any of you even know the answer to this but i'm pretty sure that if you sell a game new and your game stop then you have to give more profits to the publisher of the game than oh, you do if you okay. sell it used right yeah that, but that's they likely know how many how many units you know you bring in and so they right. know how I many know. units so if you how sell are they getting so away have, with that yeah i don't yeah. know <laughs> Anyway, GameStop is kind of shady is my conclusion. And I think that the reason why any store would do that would be because they're not doing well. Like maybe they're individual stores that aren't making enough sales and they're kind of trying to find ways to squeak by that. But uh, yeah, so GameStop has been dying for a while and we've talked about it on this show before. That being said, I would, <laughs> I would love to be able to sell my digital downloads. I would love 
the mm-hmm. the ability because we're we're spending the same amount of money that we would for a physical copy in most cases. And I would love to be able to resell that back to make a certain amount of profit or to trade it in or you know yeah, to or bring share someone it else with someone. Does anybody else use the Steam family sharing service at all? I looked at it once and I no. couldn't figure out how to set it up, but Oh, you are missing out. Zach and I use that constantly and it's amazing really he does not have to buy any of my games and it's great he can just play them whenever he wants see the problem is that i'm the one with the with the huge steam library so i don't exactly. really benefit so from maureen it. could play your games if she want to try them well we have she has access to my account anyway well sure but if 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 steve was using his computer and she wanted to use a different computer then okay. she could okay yeah. well At maureen's the, the only one who knows all my secrets so <laughs> Fair enough. The only issue Ooh. with it is if we want to play a game together, we have to have two copies of it. But if there's a single player game and I want to lend it to him, mm. then I can digitally immediately. And that's really cool. So props mm. to Steam. But- I, I mean, I guess the, the whole argument is kind of just falls apart because you would think that the reason that they're char- that they have to charge $60 is because of you sales, because you have a number of people who are buying the game, but not from the publisher. And so if the used sales went away, presumably if those people still wanted to buy the game, maybe the price of it would go down because you would lose a little bit of the inherent value of being able to resell the disc, which is built into – I mean it, it's still the same $60 if you're buying it digitally or physically, but that, that $60 is kind of built into – or that, that value is kind of built into the $60, but presumably – because of that, you'd have more people buying it at a higher price, and maybe it would go down to fifty dollars. I mean, on Steam, where you can't—I mean, you do have the family sharing, but you can't resell yeah, codes. A new game is not sixty dollars; it's fifty dollars, and it's been that way for a while, for the most part. I mean, there are exceptions, so I would think that that's a true statement. But I think that the publishers would actually be kind of thrilled with that, wouldn't you? I think at the end of the day, this is actually a very simple calculus here. I mean, it's income for the people that produce the game you know, versus how much the consumer is paying for it. Like that's, that's ultimately the two piles that we, we have involved here. And along the way, there are any kinds of you know, schemes and you know, different pricing models, depending on you know, how price sensitive you are as a consumer. And you have you know, digital ultra deluxe versions and collectible versions. And then you've got the version that comes out like game of the year edition, you know, the year after this sold for $20. So I think ultimately we're kind of just talking about, you know, shades of gray and like uh, slight tweaks to this model to, how many? you know, the, how many, <laughs> you know, uh, 49. 49 shades of gray, Dr. <laughs> Dow. Um, so, so, you know, Dear I, me. I do, I do, I do. Haven't you been listening to the show? Like that, that's been a repeated topic lately, Georgia. So I, I guess it's like, you know, are you selling your digital download game? Is that a useful thing? I mean, like, think like Georgia was saying, it would be nice. It's not something I'm really clamoring for. And I, I just... I don't think it really matters. And I think like there's a way to do this that gives more control to the publishers and the developer. You already have so many you know, middlemen along the way here. I mean, you've got Sony, you've got taxes, you've got, you know, if you're selling on the app store, you have to give Apple a cut. I mean, do we really need Give stop in the middle, like taking, taking an additional cut? I mean, there's not an efficiency for the market. At the end of the day, it's always going to be a loss. I hate buying used. I try to only do it 
when I can't find it new easily. But a, the, a lot of the reason that I will uh, I'll sell games back is not for the money, but just to declutter. Just because I've got all these games that I know I'm never going to play, and I just I've reached a point in my life where I need to have less stuff around the house, what? and I'll sell. <laughs> You, is there is there a problem with that statement? Yes. Yeah, there's a huge problem with that statement. What? How can you say that? Like, I I I think it's a huge mistake to ever sell a game back. Like, my apartment was robbed in 1999, and they got my my Sega Genesis and my Super Nintendo oh. and my Nintendo. Yeah, I'm still really bitter about that all these I years later because mm. it's. How many times do you want to go back and play an older game? And, you know, I'm very proud of my very large game library. And I just I just don't understand that. It's like, I mean, I just don't understand how you could say, like, well, I played this game once. I'm done with it. No, you, you save it because later you're going to want to play it and enjoy it. it. It depends on the game. There are games that I've, hold on, that I've held on to, a lot of games that I've held on to. But there are some that are like Marvel Superhero Squad that sucked. I don't need to look at it anymore. But you keep it in your house like it's like Predator 2, where it's a, a creature that you've slain <laughs> and you hang the carcass on your wall. Like Home Alone. Yeah, basically. What are you talking about, Georgia? What? <laughs> How did we get from Predator 2 to Home Alone? What What are you talking about, like Home Alone? <laughs> what? <laughs> Dr. Dow, please. This is a family show. <laughs> It's like Rocky and Bullwinkle. Oh, oh. I don't know. I, I can I can throw out random movie titles that I haven't seen too. I mean, I I don't know what your analogy is going though. I mean, I, you know what what ends up happening is that I get goaded into buying a lot of crappy games for my kids that they end up losing interest in in about a week. They they take up a lot of room, and I want to get I want to get them out of the house. When I think of a collection, right? Like I think of. Uh, uh, something that I've really curated down to the stuff that I want to be able to display. And it's not necessarily every game that I've accumulated over the course of my lifetime. I mean, there are definitely some that I will not part with. And regardless of even if I have a working console to run them on. But there are a lot that I just know that I, I just don't need the box in my house anymore. If I had it digitally, I'd hold on to it because why not? But, you know, there's just a point where I'm running out of room and I just need to get rid of some stuff. And those are easy decisions for me. I mean, but one day your kids are going to, like, go to college and then, like, you'll have all that room back and then it'll have been a big mistake. So I say you just hold on to it. Either that or, like, <laughs> give them to me and I'll hold on to it. Okay. I, I will I, I will donate them to a good home. Is That's that right. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. See, we we need we need like you know game shelters. Game shelters. <laughs> we need the isometric library where like that people, would be a, yeah, yeah. A games yeah. library. Yeah, yeah. I uh. or like a storage space. You know, I I got rid of a bunch of games a few years ago, and I regret it all the time. And I'm sad even like thinking about it now. And I sold them back because I really needed money at the time, but. God, I really wish I hadn't done it. So, Steve, I'm I'm on Bree's side this time around. I I just wish yes. I had found some other way to 
make some spare cash during that time. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't do it for everything, but it's like I like like Assassin's Creed games. I know I don't need to hold on to those. You know what I mean? Like I just I guess, know that. I mean, like I thought all of that at the time too, but there have been so many times since then when a friend of mine has been over and been like, "Oh, didn't you review such and such? Didn't you have a copy of this or that?" And I'm like. Yeah, but I can't lend it to you now because I sold it. And that just makes me feel bad. And I, I wish I had kept more of those games, personally. Just because my friends, I'd like to be able to lend the physical copies. And like that gets back to what Georgia was saying originally about lending games to friends, which that's like the whole reason to keep games for me is to lend them to people. I, even if I'm never going to play them again, I love lending games to people. And it's so, even okay with me if I don't get them back, if I've already completed them. It's like, the coolest feeling in the world it's like lending books or or music or anything else i i like being able to do that and uh if you get rid of them you can't do it anymore yeah i don't know i guess i try to i've watched too many episodes of hoarders <laughs> yeah but there's a difference between i am against clutter but this is not clutter for me this is like stuff that i wish i had kept it's not the same but yeah, yeah. I mean, Georgia, what do you think about that from a, you know, psychological standpoint? Like- I, I don't keep games that I'm not going to play again. I Like, I might give, like, E.T. to, like, a friend I don't like, right? Like, you wouldn't give that to someone <laughs> just because it's such a bad game. No one's going to I played that play. game for hours. I don't know what you're talking about. That was a fantastic game. You, the guy barely moved. Like, you move across. You're like, <laughs> oh, okay, same area. But, you know, most of the games that I have now are all digital copies, and... I I do have some some old games that are like four player games that I am still going to play and want to play with my kids. So you know I have like Star Fox and uh, Mario Kart yeah. and Goldeneye just because it's Goldeneye and that's because uh, you want to te- you want to teach your kids to become trained killers like you. <laughs> Goldeneye yes. is a great way to teach them. That game's good. It was it it just brings back all like. Uh, old fabulous memories but i don't keep games if i know that i'm not going to play them and i'm you know if i finished a game there's very few games that i will go back to replay if they are single person games yeah same same like really i've i've done it and i don't need to relive that emotion i've i have already kept it within me but i'm the same way with most movies there's very few movies that i will rewatch. and you'll know that when you finish it if it's yes. the kind of thing that you'll want to go i'm the same way i'll know right away if it's something that i am going to play again or if i'm just going to be done with it yeah, so I'll give it to friends or family members so they can they can enjoy the game, um, or or I'll, I'll give it to someone else. I wouldn't just throw them away because I, yeah. I that would for me would be heartless. But um, I I try not to keep things. I keep things that I think are iconic. So I have like you know my first Game Boy. I kept it. It's like you know antique and that, but it still plays and it's just so cool. And so I have all kinds of like an archive of things that are special to me, but I don't try to keep everything. I, I guess I'd say for me, running a studio and being a creative person, I you can never tell what you're going to need for reference material in the That's future. Fair. Oh, yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah. totally. Like, yeah. It's right. the same reason I don't get rid of any comic books I buy. Like, um, right. I forget, like, Holiday's Belt came from... Um, it was actually actually a uh, picture of Cable, like one of Cable's designs from the 90s in X-Force. And, you know, like I remember going up in the attic and getting a bunch of uh, getting a bunch of comic books and finding this one thing with like the pattern, like the interior pattern of her her design. And very often, like I would be working at the Manda, I'd be like, no, Holiday needs to have this pose in this in this, um, you know, this frame. I would go up in the attic and find a comic book and would say, no, pose her like this. 
And I think in the same way with game mechanics or level designs, um, I find myself very often, you know, going and playing back through sections of games to look at something or to study a mechanic more, you know, to understand it. And I think like, you know, working in this field, I think it's a very reasonable thing to collect a, a right. library of things you've experienced. Yeah, it's, it's a historical archive of different things to design that you can go back and say, you know what, I think that it should be similar to this game. And then you can actually get the game right away, play through it. And, yep. and, and that makes perfect sense. In especially in what you do to be able to have that right away at your fingertips so you don't have to look for it, search for it, which, again, time is money for you. So I, I, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, Thank but you, for just, Dow. you know, but just for, you know, for someone like like me, it's, you know, that's just if I know I'm not going to play it again, then it's right. just taking up room in my house. True. Uh, why don't we take a break and then we can talk about we can talk about something that's a little bit different flavor of this type of this same type of thing. But before we do that, let's talk about a new sponsor, which is Five Four Club. Um, are we going to get to talk about this? We are going to get to talk yes. about this. Do you hate shopping because most men do? But Five Four can help. Five Four is a contemporary apparel brand based out of LA, founded in 2002. Uh, Five Four Club alleviates the stress of shopping for men while providing value, style, and exclusivity all at the same time. So you sign up, uh, you fill out their nine-step style profile, and never have to worry about shopping again. You're going to pick from one of three profiles: either t-shirt and jeans, dress to impress, or business casual. And then you fine-tune that a bit, and then your, all your preferences are logged with a stylist who picks your package. And all their clothing is designed in-house. Uh, no other company could give you the same styles and, and fit as 5.4. And the best part is just for $60 a month, you'll receive $120 or more worth of clothing. And if you have to do a size exchange, 5.4 makes it free and easy. Uh, it's exclusive. It's only available for club members, even the online store. And members are given their own referral code when they sign up that gets you 15% off their package for every friend they're they're able to refer. So Bree, you got you uh you signed Frank up for this. I did. So, you know, I've talked about this on the show before, but it amazes me. Like Frank is, you know, someone who's at the top of his field, you know, basically writing patents for drugs. And you know, he really is. He's one of the top experts in the entire world in his subspecialty. You know, he has a PhD in bacterial genetics. And the the irony to me is Frank is someone who is so highly educated and he's so successful, but he will not buy clothes that don't come from Target. And it makes me so crazy. <laughs> like he has a windbreaker for Target that I hate. And I've actually tried to like throw it away before oh, no. <laughs> because I hate it that much. It looks so oh. dumb. I mean, and it's so, but trying to get him to go shopping is crazy. So Dan Benjamin like wrote me an email and said, we have this new sponsor. Yeah. Brie, can you give this to your husband? And I'm like, yes, yes, I will do this for him. So we went and we signed him up and this this entire box, like it literally, they say in like the ad, it's like sign up for thirty seconds, and I'm like, yeah, that's not true. It really is thirty seconds. I mean, it's not super, um, it's not super like measuring. You're not going to have to take a bunch of measurements. It's more like, hey, are you generally this size? Do you like you? Know, are you do you like dark colors? Do you like this style? What looks best to you? So we did that, and then this entire box of clothes came to our house. You know, like, I went through it, and like anything, there were 
like a, one or two misses in there, but generally speaking, it was like really, really good stuff. In fact, like I got back from France yesterday and Frank picks me up at the airport. And he's wearing like my first thought when I saw him was like, well, my husband looks really sexy today. What's different? And he's like wearing a new shirt that was like really cute and like black and striped. It, it looked really good on him. So um, I'm not kidding you. Like if you're a wife out there that like just wants your husband to like update his wardrobe, please. Like this is awesome. Like if you're a guy that doesn't like shopping, I can easily see this working for you. I mean, it's it's definitely a solution to a problem. And I think it's a great product. So uh, so go ahead and expand your wardrobe. Go to get54.com, F-I-V-E-F-O-U-R, and use the offer code ISO20OFF, uh, ISO20OFF to get $20 off your first box. And uh, thank you very much to Five Four Club for sponsoring Isometric. Uh, so this this whole discussion of you know holding on to games kind of leads us into uh, the story of the Grim Fandango remaster uh, coming out this week. And Polygon had this really great article about everything that had to happen in order for this game to end up getting re released. So Grim Fandango, uh, we've I, I forget if we talked about it over the last couple of weeks, but it's. It's a adventure game done by Tim Schafer, who is uh, head of Double Fine now. It's a, it was a point and click adventure game. It's it's regarded mm-hmm. as one of the best of the genre. And it was sort of a point and click adventure, but it was very unusually designed at the time. Now, now it is a point and click adventure. The remaster. Yeah, you yes. were directly controlling the character, so it wasn't quite a point and click adventure. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I'm sorry for immediately interrupting you. Steve, that's okay. I just didn't want everybody to jump on you for that. Well, you know, they'll jump on me for something else. It's okay. Okay. Well, not that though. <laughs> not that. <laughs> so that's something. Okay. Uh, so this was owned by LucasArts, and then um, you know LucasArts just never – they released it, and then it kind of went away. And uh, LucasArts really didn't do very much with their IP when they had it until they got sold to Disney. And then all of a sudden, there were a number of things that had to happen with – there was uh, Sony and Disney and Tim Schafer – and uh, you know, people at LucasArts all coming together and trying to recover all of the all of the source code to be able to rebuild this thing. Down to they stored all the source code on digital tape at the time, and apparently the tapes are last for thirty years, but nobody actually had the machine to read the tapes. So they had this one guy happened to have just found one in a dumpster several years before and just kind of held on to it, and he just happened to be the one to, you know, to try the tapes and be able to recover everything. The whole the whole story is amazing. And I guess it's a it's a question of what what responsibility do publishers have, you know, to history to to preserve some of these things. I mean, we do have uh, archive.org recently dumped like 2400 DOS games out to a browser-based interface. I've been seeing a million people playing Oregon Trail and posting and posting all of the results of it up to Twitter as they're playing it. You know, beyond that, I mean, this this game almost was lost to the ages, other than through emulation. And and you know, it, I guess Bree, is this something that you ever think about? Like, if if iOS goes away, or if you know, if iOS won't run Unreal Engine three, like, what would you do to you know to take your game and be make sure that people are still able to play it? not on the original hardware that it was designed for. Is that something that you, that you ever think about when you're going through um, development? Absolutely. It's one of the reasons why, you know, we don't sell any test devices here at GSX because, you know, in I, I really believe it's best to 
play a game on the hardware it was originally designed for. I do have to say, like, for the DOS era, you know, space and storage was it much more of a premium. I mean, no one used tape drives in that era because it felt like a, a good, sturdy, you know, safe saving mechanism. It was it was cheap. I mean, so you basically dealt with this, you know, difficult to use, quirky backup system because, you know, hard drive space was so expensive back in those days. And, you know, it's worth saying that even hard drive spaces, you know, hard drive space only lasts for so long. I do think in, in this day and age, it's a little bit more distributed, you know, so I think that it's it's more likely to be saved. But, uh, you know, we definitely uh, have outputted everything to, you know, optical disks and, you know, different hard drives uh, that are in our main office. So it's it's definitely something we think about a lot. I do think that storage space is so much easier to come by now that I think it's it's less of a concern. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, and I guess GitHub is is a thing that exists also to kind of have an online backup and and stuff like that where you're not yeah. necessarily relying on on things like digital tape that are only in one place and and under lock and key. But I was thinking about this. I mean, in God, I hope this doesn't sound all paranoid, but yeah, if you're talking about really saving something for history, I mean, it's it's not crazy to think that like something could happen and you know, we could have a power shortage around the planet or something could happen that would make like, you know, the the current way that like cloud systems function that like maybe that could be lost for history and maybe all games could be lost that way if you weren't careful about it. So, I mean, I think having like a a distributed approach certainly makes a lot more sense. You know, I guess there's also the Library of Congress. I remember there was something on uh, Polygon a while back talking about how they um, you know give games to the Library of Congress to kind of store there. Um, oh, it was films. It was films and they have to give them on VHS because mm-hmm. that's the only way they can do it. So, I found this to be a really interesting, you know, story. It really reminded me of Toy Story and how, you know, basically they re-rendered and remastered that. And it was like through a miracle that some, one of the animators there happened to have the original files in his house because it had all been lost, you know? I think that it's it's very interesting because we used to look at games as something ephemeral that was not truly important. It was something that children did, and it wasn't important to keep them and store them, which is the same thing that happened with movies. Some of the first movies that came out, they actually just like threw them into a basement, into a bin. Some of the the old uh, editing and copy pieces were actually thrown out to old movies, and only after did people say, well, you know, we don't have any other copies to this, and, and all of the original you know, um, film reels are are destroyed or lost, and that we need to protect and, you know, make sure that they're put into archives properly because that's part of our history and part of something that is very special in the memories of people. And now I think that that's the way that games were looked at. And now people are are giving, you know, looking at games as something that we do have to really work to make sure because, you know, there's many different iterations of different games and we need to have a place that they're not also lost as part of our history and something that is also important. Like, it, they do speak very strongly to the different places we are in our society and culture. And they're a clear reflection of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the same thing with comics. I mean, that's why Action Comics number one sells for, like, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars whenever somebody finds a decent copy of it. Because, I mean, those were designed to be thrown away. 
they were they were literally ephemeral because they were designed on on mm-hmm. newsprint and then they were just designed to be to be tossed out. And it's only because a few people held on to them that they're able to sell them for that much. And now that they're like historical artifacts, right? And one day, Rob the robot, my little <laughs> Rob, I'm looking at you, Rob. Uh, I love you, Rob. Just saying. Is, is Rob the robot's going to bring all these games back to life? But when he becomes <laughs> self aware. Rob isn't, he's not an actual, he's, he's a robot. He's a robot. He can't do that yet. Here, I'm grabbing Rob. It's okay, Rob. We love you. <laughs> no, but again, it's like one of those things that are just part of, like, you know, Rob's are hard to find now. At least that's the way I feel about him. Georgia, I think you need to get a cat. I think you should have a cat. <laughs> I have a dog. <laughs> Who do you love more, though? Is your dog named Rob? Yeah. No, no, no. My dog's named Mila. Can I can I get you a baby carriage to push Rob around in? <laughs> I, if you bring a baby carriage, I will bring Rob. We can do that when, when we're talking. Yeah, okay. do that at, at PAX. PAX. Okay. <laughs> I'll bring Rob. I've got some Build-A-Bear-sized clothes that we could probably, that would probably fit him, that we could yeah. put him in. We could dress him up. And Rob. Rob's very friendly. Get him a little hat, a little frozen costume. That. Okay. Oh my You're God, Maddie, run for Rob. your life! I, <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm in favor of Rob, but this does sound really terrifying. Like, and, and, I'm picturing anyway, that, somebody yeah. peeking into the baby carriage and just being horrified. <laughs> that would be worth. That would be just to see their face after would just be worth it. Yeah. Yeah. And then you go. You just got Doctor Dowd. Yep. So, Maddie, oh. you had a review of the game. I did. I reviewed the game. You hadn't played it. Had you played it before? I the had. First time? I um, I I wasn't that into this game the first time around because it actually was really hard to play, especially it it just. I mean, for any number of reasons, old game related reasons. But I don't. I don't like it. It just doesn't run as well on new computers. Like you can find a lot of threads of people asking how to get the game to run properly on a newer computer like that became an issue because the the speed of mm. i don't know enough Bree would if she read these threads i don't understand why it wouldn't run as well on a newer computer but apparently that's a problem um so you you if you have a really old computer and you have the original cd-rom then i think you can enjoy grim fandango but i i as it stands it's really hard to enjoy and also people had created mods to make the original controls more playable like the remaster includes point and click controls that i find a lot more user friendly but um there is a mod that somebody came up with that that created sort of similar controls but even that mod had several bugs in it because it was fan made and and there were there were several problems to the mod so so yeah this i feel like this has been a long time coming i didn't know this whole history about why it had never happened before but i'm I'm really grateful for it because I feel like now I have finally been able to enjoy the game in a way that I couldn't before for a variety of reasons, mostly technical reasons. Yeah. So, and also I went in thinking that because I'm cynical and kind of a jerk, I was like, this is a game that everybody's been hyping up for my, for all of time. And I've played some of it and I just didn't think it was that great. So whatever. It's probably stupid. Everybody thinks old games are good because they're old and they're not good. So whatever. But then I was completely captured by it and I like fell in love with the 
lady secretary character who's so sarcastic and delightful and it's probably no surprise to anybody that i love her that is like skeleton maddie a little bit she She is is like skeleton maddie and if i were gonna cosplay somebody from this game it would be her and i even was thinking like how would how would anyone do a costume for this game because it's such such a great art style and um yeah so and it's it's got all of these additional dialogue trees and jokes that i was impressed with and this is like I ordinarily point and click games. I I find the puzzles really difficult personally, and I would say that is still a problem with this game. Like I don't think the puzzles are intuitive, and I talked about that in the review some. But I think it's worth playing because I I personally think the dialogue is very well written. I just I do, and I really was charmed by it. Yeah. What did everybody else think? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I started playing it the other night, and I I don't do well with these games at all. No, I know. Steve, and just get look at a walkthrough. Because, like, even getting out of the office is so hard. It's, like, absurd. Like, I spent, I spent half an hour wandering around, and then I looked at the walkthrough, and it's like, oh, this thing that looks like a shadow on the side of the wall is actually an alley that you need to go down. Yeah, I found a walkthrough that was like, don't use this walkthrough. It's going to destroy the game for you. No, that walkthrough saved the game for me. I would never have enjoyed this game at all without that. And, and I guess I guess my problem is that and I know that this completely flies in the face of what I said a few weeks ago, but it's like I feel like if that's how I'm going to play the game, then am I really playing a game anymore or am I just watching a movie? Oh, right. You hate you know? movies. And, well, I do. But but I mean, like, like why at that point, like, wouldn't it be better to just take all of the dialogue trees and all of the, you know, all the cutscenes and just do a super cut of it and throw it up on YouTube and let people watch it? No, because that's like super boring. Have you ever tried to watch one of those? No. That, well, I don't watch movies. So, yeah. I don't know why. Maybe it's something psychological, but for whatever reason, I think that watching a supercut of a video game on YouTube is the most boring thing I could imagine, but playing the game version of it feels exciting and stimulating. I don't know why that is, but maybe psychotherapist Georgia Dow knows. <laughs> maybe it's because games are supposed to be designed as an interactive medium. I don't know. Could be. Could be. <laughs> Could be. Could be be that walking around in a game, even if I spend half an hour not being able to figure out the puzzle and I look it up, that is more mentally stimulating than watching the cutscene that I would get as a reward for completing the puzzle. That, That to me is preferable. The problem that I have is that it makes me feel stupid when I do it that way. And, yeah. I, and and I don't like that feeling. It's like, okay, that either it makes me stu- it makes me feel stupid or it makes me feel angry at the game that it's just like completely inscrutable. And how would you expect a player to be able to figure that out? I used to feel that way too. And I don't know how I got over it, but I'm so relieved that I did because now I can just enjoy things. And I, but I, I used to be that way. And so I do feel your pain. And these games, I mean, this is why I didn't complete Grim Fandigo the first time. It, it's not just that it's technically unreliable i also used to be a person who could not get myself to look at walkthroughs and we've i've talked about that on the show before too like how i had trouble playing games on easy i felt like i couldn't ever look at a walkthrough all of that kind of thing i would just brute force everything but um now i don't do that and i tell myself that it doesn't mean i'm a stupid person and it's great and i'm happy i'm happy as everybody knows about me i'm happy all the time so everyone should use walkthroughs (laughs) I think it's worth saying, I mean, we didn't know as much about 
game design back when this game was made. Oh, and, yeah. you Definitely. know, games Definitely. games were also made for a much more hardcore of the hardcore audience, you know. So it was it was a different audience. And I think I think game testing has very correctly opened these games up and made them more accessible to everyone else. And, you know, I stand by that it's a, a flaw of the game that we've, it's it's just a historical problem of the game. I have no problem whatsoever using a walkthrough, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, I don't have a problem doing it. It's just, you know, I don't, you know, it takes some of the, it feels like it's taking some of the fun out of the game. But the, on the other hand, the story is so good that it's worth, you know, doing that to be able to, to because the, the, the dialogue is is hilarious and the the story is really well done but it just you know it kind of takes you out of that going to going to a walkthrough to figure out what to do you know what i mean that's why we were very careful when we designed rev 60 which is another game that's totally about the story and the characters and we we very carefully avoided this exact trap um you know there's there's when we would do play testing we would find people stuck in areas we would just chop off areas and like force you to go down more of a path and because there's no worse feeling in a game than i don't know what to do next i don't know where to go next that is never a fun feeling i feel like that's a failure of the game designer so you know um i i have i have a confession to make um i bought this game today I meant to play it, and I murdered people all day in Saint Tropez Four instead. So <laughs> it's I did okay. not do I only my played homework. it for about forty-five minutes the other night, and then I ended up packing for for Disney. So I'm sorry. It's okay. It's okay, everybody. I played it so that you don't have to. And I recommend it to our listeners. And I also recommend they look up a walkthrough for real, because you're never going to get out of the office. I don't believe <laughs> that anybody even solved that first puzzle without help. Maybe somebody did, but I don't know. I don't know. Well, that's why they called it pixel hunting, because you would literally hunt on the screen for a pixel back in those days. Ugh. Well, don't do it now. <laughs> <laughs> so, Maddie, is that what you were playing this week, Grim Fandango, or is there anything else you want to talk about? It was what I was playing, and I already talked about it. Uh, but I just want to quickly say the Life is Strange folks were really late about sending out their codes to everybody. So uh, a lot of people are going to have very late reviews, but that is going to be out tomorrow so so i don't know whether or not to recommend it but um yeah it got a seven on the site i saw it was very short and you know shed promise so yeah well i'm gonna check it out you know after this i i installed it so i can check it out now but i i didn't get to play it until before now, which is too bad. If it's really terrible, will you text me and say, save your $15? I for will. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, me too. But I, I have heard that it's very short. Yeah, the, the embargo is up at this point, so I guess I can say that, I, that the PR people told me that it's three hours long. So, I mean, that's something i can share but i i haven't i haven't played it yet so i don't know if it's actually three hours like when i play games i i poke everything so for me it might be five hours um yeah so i'll, I'll get back to you guys about it and i just i'm sorry because i know that i said last year that i would be able to talk about both games because i thought i would be able to talk about both games but i can't so next week i'll talk about it yeah like i don't think fi- you know three hours for a five dollar episode is bad i, I mean, don't think that's bad transistor was was twenty dollars and that was a four hour game and that i kind of i was a little bit i mean it was the length that it was i wasn't necessarily upset but that kind mm-hmm. of felt like it was a little bit on the short side but for something that's gonna be episodic for a yeah. five dollar episode three hours seems about right to me uh i'll see if that's correct or if they overshot it i don't know i'll, I'll let you guys know okay that's what we charge for rep 60 yeah 
But that, that, I mean, that took me longer than three hours. I don't remember. I don't think I timed myself. It was a four-hour game, but it debuted at $6. I mean, I'm just saying it's it sounds reasonable. Yeah, it's a reasonable length. Yeah. Yeah, but I think, I mean, Rev60 has multiple endings, though, whereas I don't think that Life is Strange does. Mm. Yeah. So that's a little bit different, but yeah. So, Brie, so Bri, what are you playing this week? Uh, I was in France, so I have to admit, I did not play a lot of games this week. Uh, I did play a lot of Star Trek Trexels, which I really love. I'm all the way to Sector 5. Georgia, are you still playing that? I haven't played it since, because <gasps> I, I passed my love. Sorry. <gasps> I, I, <laughs> I passed my level on Candy Crush uh, Soda, so I was I passed a really hard level, and then that was... I, I played that instead of Trexels when I when I in between sessions or when I was supposed to be doing paperwork. <laughs> so do you know do you know when I was in France this week, the whole time I was sitting right next to the guy working with him uh on the IDM GA thing, uh with the person that invented Candy Crush. Oh. So yeah, yeah. I said uh worked with him pretty much all weekend. Huh. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna have to talk after. Yeah, he's got good hair. Well, that's what's that's what's important really yeah, i thought so um yeah uh so and i i started working on a new playthrough of danganronpa on the plane um but today i came home if you guys can't tell on this podcast i'm really tired today they kept me like the day i got to france my plane left at eight o'clock and i was up literally all night and then you know you get to france and it's like you know, your body thinks it's like four in the morning and then it's like bright and it's 11 o'clock in the day. And I was just so tired from standing, staying up all night. And then I get to the hotel. I'm just dead on my feet. I finally get to take a nap and then I'm waking up at 11 o'clock at night and I'm unable to sleep. So like, this is like two periods straight of being awake for 24 hours straight. And I just, I'm kind of, I, I got back home today and I just plopped down. Um, and I, did, I took today off work. I played games all day. Um, the first thing I tried to play this morning was Resident Evil Remake. Guys, don't buy this game. Um, <laughs> just, just don't buy this game. I am as big a fan of Resident Evil that exists. And it's just, it's just flat out not a good game. Like, Maddie, everything you were talking about, how old games are just not good anymore, <laughs> um, this is, it's it's just not a good game. I, I love the Resident Evil story, but it's a, another game that you have to go through with the walkthrough to make any sense of it. I mean, there's no one that's going to explore the mansion that much. Um, honestly, all the additions they made to the game back in 2002 do not improve upon the original Resident an evil experience. Um, the voice acting is better, um, but e- even for a game that they allegedly uprez, like all I see everywhere are blurry textures. Um, and I just, I think it's it's a game that will always be very, very special to me, the original Resident Evil. I beat it at least 20 times, but it just, it's a game of an era that's gone by. And we have better ways to tell stories now. And, you know, playing it, I was really frustrated that people, like, kind of crap all over Resident Evil 4 and 5. Because the truth is, they're be- much better game mechanics. Um, it's a better way to tell a story. I don't and think people, anybody like, com- craps on Resident Evil 4. That's the one everybody likes, no. right? 
Well, no, people will say, I mean, I think everyone agrees it's a better game, but people will critique it and say, well, Resident Evil is a horror game anymore. Ah. It's an action shooter. Okay. Mm. And I think it's not a horror game anymore for a reason, because it's not fun to go have forced camera angles and to go around a corner and get eaten by a zombie if you haven't read a walkthrough to no one <laughs> is standing there. Yeah, that's it's just not it's not good gameplay. Yeah. So, um, you know, as, as someone that played the frack out of the 2002 remake, where, to be honest, it barely held up back then. Um, if you remember from that era, Resident Evil Zero wasn't so great either. Yeah, stay away from that game. Um, I played it for about four hours today, and I'm like, you know, this this just isn't worth it. Um, Saints Row 4 is pretty much the same thing. It's exactly the same game as the uh, PS3 version, um, which I loved. It's a lot of fun. Um, but, you know, it's also kind of the same thing where it's like, I've done this before and Saints Row 4 was, um, you know, when it came out, people were critiquing it for being very similar to Saints Row 3. And here you are playing this game through again. Um, I actually beat the Enter the Dominatrix uh, expansion for the first time today. Do you guys remember this? Are you Saints Row fans enough to, to remember what this was about? I played a little bit of three on your recommendation, but only like a few hours of it. So okay, okay. Yeah. So Enter the Dominatrix was uh, it was originally supposed to be uh, an expansion for for Sancho Three um, that they canceled and turned into Sancho Four. And what they did was they ended up bringing it to Sancho Four as like a, a you know a DLC pack, which is included in the PS4 version. I have to tell you, this is the worst piece of. Saintro DLC I've ever played hmm. ever. It's it's really bad. Um, so the joke of it is that Saintro has um, like it's lost footage from a reality show, and you're going back through and playing this this five missions of a DLC pack that are really, really roughly put together, like literally just slammed together huh. uh, cheaply. And the joke is, ha ha, look at how bad this is. Um, but it's not funny when the game around it is just terrible. Like at one point, there's an actual uh, like Saints Flow monster, and they don't animate it. They have like a volition guy sitting there with the Saints Flow can and shoot a video of him like going around and dancing and attacking people, because that's like how low rent the the cutscenes are in this game. Like all the cutscenes are just art that they hold up for the camera, like the uh, you know the in-house studio uh, storyboards of it. Which, if they told it, I'm sure there's a way to tell that that it's funny. But in this case, it just felt really low rent. Mm. So, guys, I'm just I'm I'm not having fun with my games this week. I've got to be honest. Well, well, hopefully you'll get some rest and then you'll find a new a new game, or maybe you'll play through a Metroid Prime trilogy or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or I'll actually play Grim Fandango. Yeah, that too. That. So, yeah. Uh, so, Georgia, what are you playing this week? Well, I played two things. One is I took back up because. Um, my husband finished Dragon Age Inquisition and was so excited about the story. Maddie, you were absolutely right to kind of just get through the first 10 hours, um, which for me is like a huge amount of time to get know, to when you're involved in a game. But since he was enthralled with it, when he's like, shh, my ga- there, there's story happening <laughs> in my game. You're interrupting my stories. Exactly. Uh. And I'm like, oh, that's usually the time when we talk is when the story's <laughs> happening. So he... We can talk as long as it's about Dragon Age. <laughs> no, he was like, I don't want to miss something that's happening. Like dating wow. somebody else in the game. Did you guys have a fight about who we picked and stuff? 
Oh, I think that he tried to pick as many people as he could in the game. Oh, actually, really, really, eventually they're gonna he, make you it, choose. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he, he and he talked to me, but like he's trying laughing about it because it's like you know, his his character was a dwarf, and the person that he picked was really tall, and he was he and he's like enacting like he's like yeah and then I tried to and I was like that's probably not funny unless I'm actually watching and involved in the game but he was absolutely enthralled in it so I restarted Dragon Age Inquisition made a new character which was a Quinari which is um you know someone that has these these horned creatures mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. were epically cool looking except that when I chose the horns I chose the hair which is such a bad issue like I was like really if you told me that the hair came with the horns I would have picked a different set of horns because the the hair was horrible, though the horns were fabulous. Like, anyways, isn't all the hair horrible though? Yeah, <laughs> all the hair is horrible. You, but there was yeah. some better hair that they they come together as a set. And for me, the horns were more like an accoutrement, like it was like earrings. There are or something. some pretty bad options though, and I I know what you're talking about. And the worst part, this is the part that bothered me about my character, and I'll I'll. I, well, the worst part that happened is that my save was deleted. So I've lost the game yet again. Oh, my God. And so I have to restart. There is one good caveat, and that is that when I was creating my character, I kept it on face forward. And so I'm moving around the little cursor to see what's happening with the face. And I'm like, ah, nothing happened there. So I just let it go. And then I noticed from the side, my character has ha- looks from forward. My character looks absolutely fine. But then from the side, her mouth and jowls are protruding like three <laughs> inches forward yeah. as wow. if she has a mouthful of like, like mashed potatoes or something. <laughs> and it bothered or, or like, like a muzzle, like, and it bothered me so intensely that I'm, I'm going to probably make another Quinari warrior and, and restart the game yet Again, those 10 hours take a long time if you keep restarting it over and over again. I'm sorry. And I'm so sad that the game has such a rough start because it makes it (sighs) feel like I can't recommend it to people without asking them how much free time they have. (laughs) Right, right, right. Well, I'm I'm doing it again. I'm going to start up again today. I'll I'll tweet out a picture of, of my Quinari. Uh, for the yet the thousandth time and it takes me forever because i have to pick the pupils and the irises and i want it to be you know a certain look i made sure not to do too much blush this time and um so i'm playing that again and i haven't gotten that far because i keep on getting the game deleted and i'm also playing a game on um my iphone which is called revolve and it won a lot of awards last year and it's a cute little tiny puzzle game or action puzzle game. I don't know how. You're rotating a little world and growing little plants and creatures on this world, trying to make sure the asteroids don't destroy your little creatures that you make. Much oh. cuter than asteroids, just so that if you're wondering. But <laughs> how can that be? <laughs> I mean, let's not say things we can't take back, George. Fair, fair. Yeah. Um, and it's cute. I don't know if it's going to continue. I'm going to keep on playing it. It seems like it gets a little bit complex like there's a little bit of strategy involved with it and i'm not sure if it's as fun as the amount of anxiety i have trying to rotate my planet to not get you know obliterated but so far that's kind of cool okay yeah that's interesting (laughs) steve the time has come okay so (laughs) i i have two things i i I'm a man of my word, and I started playing Final Fantasy VI this week. <gasps> tell me. Yeah. I, tell me. I, I am not far enough where I want to talk about it yet in okay. detail. Okay. I'm okay. about six hours in. 
I am really, really liking it. I'll, I'll say that much. Um, mm. I have gotten extremely frustrated with it because for a couple reasons. One is that I spent an hour on the Phantom Train wandering around because there were doors that didn't look like doors. And so I was wandering back and forth going through, uh, you know, back and forth across the train, not knowing that there was a door I was supposed to walk in that just looked like a panel on the front of the train. Man, this is like the old games are old episode of Isometric. Old games, get it together. (laughs) I know, right? And so uh, the other thing is that I realized that one of the things that's kept me from really liking these games is is the random encounters has been like really grating on my ADD. And I, I ended up writing a blog post about it because it was just kind of like a revelation to me that that's why I wasn't liking these games. Legit. Oh yeah. Yeah. Cause it's, it's like, you know, I'll be in the middle of something and this was, this was like beaten into me with the phantom train. Cause I was just trying to figure out <laughs> like, how do I get on, get through the train? And it's like, and I'm reading walkthroughs and the walkthroughs are like, just go into the car. I'm like, well, how do I get into the car? I ended up having to find a video walkthrough on YouTube and then saw the guy walk through the door and I'm like, okay, well, that's a door. I don't know how I didn't know that was a door, wasn't a door before. But in the meantime, I'm fighting over these ghosts over and over again. And it's just like I'm just trying to figure out how to get through. And I'll forget what I'm doing and what I've done and which car I'm in because two of the mm-hmm. cars look identical. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, am I in the middle car or am I in the end car? And now I need to walk. Which direction do I need to walk in? Well, I forgot which direction I was walking in because I got through so many random, random encounters that I forgot what I was doing before I got into the car. So I, I, that's something that I, I'm kind of realizing. And now that I know that, I can kind of work through it a little bit better in any event. So that's... It's like, yeah. as you're saying this, I'm having flashbacks Me back too. to 1994. Yes. I'm like, yeah! <laughs> They're actually happy, though. Like, I, I, I was frustrated at the time, too, because you're trying to get somewhere. And then suddenly you get this random encounter. And you're like, I just need to make, like, like 15 steps. Just give me 15 steps and make it. And then you get this random encounter. But it, it just brings back happy thoughts to me yeah see for me it's like i'll I'll end up walking in the wrong direction like i'll literally forget which direction i was walking in and then i'll walk in the wrong direction and that spawns more random encounters and then (laughs) it's just like it's 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 like you know so it's like this 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 death spiral level up though yeah well (laughs) but i'm not even getting enough enough uh experience from these battles to level up it's like these characters these these battles where i'm stomping the guys and there's not even really any reason for it and i'm i'm anyway but i'm liking the game i think the both shoulder buttons and just run away yeah run just leave yeah i forget i keep forgetting i can do that but then you know i'm in the battle and i want to fight them because i want to get whatever gold i need to get nah you're, you're gonna have to run if I, you're I, yeah. if you're if you're not leveling you gotta just leave yeah escape it's not worth it it's no one's gonna to taunt you, you. that yeah. yeah either that or just get the random encounter bit that will set the monster encounter rate in half what is that called in that game again it's the it's not the ex- well, you want to get the experience egg as soon as possible. What's the thing that cuts your encounter rate down? I'm trying to remember. Yeah, somebody said I was I posted this blog post and somebody said that there was something there that that does that cuts that down. Like a like a not quite like a repel in Pokemon, but something similar to that. Yeah, next time you get stuck, just take a picture of wherever you are on post it to Twitter and like five thousand people will tell you where to That's been the greatest thing, is that like I'm I am you know, talking about this stuff and I've got like more help than I could possibly want. Because everybody has played this game except for me. So that's that's been pretty cool. And I will I will say I got a little bit something in my eye at the end of the Phantom Train. So Um, but so anyway, so I've been liking that. I'm sticking with it. I was playing it more on the plane today. I'm going to keep playing it and, and working through it. Uh, the other game that I played this week is Gravity Ghost. 
I really want to play this. It's really good. good. It's really good. It looks so cool. It's really good. So I I played it with my oldest daughter. I let her play it because this seemed like it was the kind of thing that was up her alley. So totally. uh, I'm not super sure what's going on with the story. This is one of those things where they kind of – the story isn't really – going to be clear until the end and they just kind of give you these random cutscenes and of different scenes that are going on and i'm not 100 percent sure and going on but there is a fox is pretty much all i know at this point it's cute everything's very cute it's very cute <laughs> but so the the deal is that there's this girl who's i guess she's gone on to the afterlife and she's on she's in this um in these series of planets and she needs to um get a star to open up a door to be able to leave that solar system People have been comparing this thing to Super Mario Galaxy, and I don't think that's quite accurate because, you know, they both have gravity mechanics, but they're not really the same thing at all. But that's the only thing that people think about when running around planets and and gravity is involved. But so you have to kind of launch yourself off and then you, you kind of orbit around the planets and try to influence your orbit enough to be able to hit what you need to hit. And then get onto the planet where you need to land to get out of the level. And it's it's one of these things that's really – it's very chill. It's got a – the soundtrack is from Ben Prunty who did the FTL soundtrack. So it's really that kind of really sparse, really kind of low-key, chill soundtrack. And, and you really – you can't – it's one of these games where you really can't fail. And if you just kind of try enough, eventually you'll kind of luck into whatever you need to do. Um, but eventually it gets a little bit more complicated. They start introducing these elements so you can – uh, terraform the planets by running around them. Like the first one you get is the water element and you can take a rock planet and kind of run around it and then turn it into water. So you kind of go through it instead of standing on top of it. Um, we played this for like an hour and a half straight the other night and my daughter was absolutely in love with it. And I, I really liked it too. I, I, it's one of those things that's either going to grab you or it doesn't. It's a lot like kind of like journey in that way where you can just kind of like, luck your way through it and eventually you'll come to a solution even though you may not really know how you got there so it's it it may be the kind of thing that has to grab you a little bit emotionally but i really i'm really liking it i can't recommend it enough and and the nice thing is that apparently if you buy it you get two copies you get one to give away uh which is is interesting i I know they were doing that for the pre-order apparently they're doing that for the for the current sale too so they're just trying to spread the word for the game so I think if you if you look at this thing and it interests you at all, I would say absolutely go for it because I I'm really really enjoying it. I think it's great. Cool. I definitely want to check it out. So, but I'm going to buy it. Don't give me your free copy. Give it to somebody else. I will give it to somebody else. <laughs> but but yeah, I would it's I can't recommend it enough. It's really really good. I'm really happy that I bought it. I, I kind of pre-ordered it on a whim because I saw it and I I the only reason I knew about it was because of Ben Prunty don't doing the uh do with the soundtrack and then it came out this week i'm like okay well i'll pre-order it right before it came out and then it's it's really great i can't recommend it enough awesome all right uh so i think that's gonna do it uh for this week um as always you can find the show notes for this show and every show at five by five tv slash isometric or at isometric show.com uh you can uh rate and review the show on itunes we super appreciate that we love seeing those reviews and they help us out a ton uh when you do that and you can also send your feedback to by email to feedback at isometric show.com or you can uh tweet the show at isometric show and you can of course follow all of us individually i am at wicked good and brie where can people find you base okay and maddie where can people find you 
Uh, we're just saying our Twitter handles now. I guess. I guess. I, I'm trying not to fall asleep. Aww. Sorry, guys. Yeah. It's yeah. okay. I am probably suffering from insomnia at Samus Clone. I'm wide awake for some friggin' reason. So yeah, hang out there with me at three in the morning. We. <laughs> and Georgia, where can people find you? Yeah, me. <laughs> huh? That one wasn't bad. It Come was on. really good. That was I better. Mean, it sounded oh, like you were a thousand miles away, but it was really good. <laughs> Thank you. Can we call this episode in the lair of Dr. Dow? Ooh, <laughs> we can now. Good. I have to have one of those like naked cats then or something. I think that can be arranged. <laughs> Which I would call Fluffy or like a my... naked no, dog. No, no, it's you Rob. Have Rob. It's Rob you in your lap. Rob. Yeah. Right. That's good. Yes. Or maybe Stroking Rob is now oh, our title. I got a visual and it was so creepy. <laughs> it sure is. It sure it is. is. Oh, no. Stroking Rob would also What's be your Twitter handle? Oh, yeah. Sorry. Um, stroking Rob. Georgia. Wait, let's see if that's taken. Let's see if Stroking Rob is taken <laughs> on Twitter. Oh, boy. That's, a, that's the name of my new indie band. <laughs> What's your Twitter handle, Georgia? Sorry. At Georgia underscore Dow. So uh, thank you as always for listening and we will catch you next week. Have a good one. Yeah, I was on the